Welcome to the She's All That video podcast, conversations with women doing awesome shit, impacting lives and making change. I'm your host, September Smith. My guest today is Jessica Lamb, the founder and executive director of Atlanta Redemption Inc., a survivor-led nonprofit having a transformative impact on the lives of survivors of sexual trafficking. Starting from the empowering idea of helping survivors replace the stark visual reminders of past pain with their own beautiful images and emblems of their reclaimed identity, Jessica has expanded the curative mission of ARI through her community, her state, and well beyond, creating a growing network of allies, artists, and safe spaces, fostering survivor opportunities for support, growth, and education, and facilitating social change through educating, advising, and liaising with police, medical personnel, and government bodies tackling the issue of human trafficking. Jessica is managing to fund all this important work on donations and community support in a time when the pandemic makes fundraising all the more challenging. She's Today on the She's All That video podcast, I am joined by Jessica Lamb and the tagline for the She's All That video podcast is conversations with women doing awesome shit, impacting lives and making change. And when I saw Jessica on LinkedIn and found out what she's doing, she is definitely one of those women. Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much for being here to talk to me about what it is you do. Thank you, September. And just to, I think... The elevator pitch, the, the description of the organization kind of lays it out. So I'm just going to, to explain what Atlanta Redemption Inc. does. You are the executive director and you're the founder of this organization. And the description is Atlanta Redemption Inc. is a survivor-led nonprofit organization that brings freedom, recovery, and transformation to survivors of sex trafficking, self-harm, addiction, and to former gang members through tattoo cover-ups, tattoo removals, and support services. That's a lot. Now, tattoos, that is so, that was initially so surprising for me. What role do tattoos play in this amazing thing you've created? And how did it become the key component to the work you do? Tattoos usually symbolize a time in people's lives that they want to remember, whether it be a child's birthday, um, a, a time of loss, things like that. But sometimes they signify a time of trauma in someone's life. Um, so what we do is we come in and we get referrals from agencies um, that have survivors of um, commercial exploitation, um, people that have been um, struggled with mental health um crises with self-harm, people that have been former gang members that are left with marks on their bodies or scars on their bodies that they want to no longer be reminded of a painful past. And so that's kind of where we come in is we um, educate shops and we educate um, tattoo removal specialists and we work to help them remove or cover those up so they're no longer reminded of a time that they don't want to think about. Now, I recall when we first started talking I was not educated enough to, to know about some of the details. I did not realize that people who have experienced trafficking have been, are survivors of trafficking, sometimes have tattoos on their body that were not their choice. Can you explain just briefly what that is about? Because I think a lot of people don't know about that. 
I know for myself, um, in 2003, I was trafficked in Georgia. And during that time, I was um, manipulated or coerced into getting a, a mark on my body that signified ownership of this man. Um, I wasn't the only one that had this tattoo on me. It was actually tattooed on my back hip as well as my wrist. And there were three other women that lived in the house with me that had the same tattoos that matched. So basically what it, what it stated was that we were owned by this man who pretended to be an employer to me. Um, and so we lived with these things on our bodies and I had to live with that for gosh, um, probably 15, 16 years. And having to explain that, like, what does that mean? You know, people look at it and they're like, what is that? What is that? What does that stand for? It's, it's humiliating. It's, um, it's just dehumanizing. Yeah. Dehumanizing. Sorry. Um, it's just something that you don't want to have to explain to people, you know? And, and so you're living with this mark on your body. And even if you've escaped the, the environment that you were in, the psychological effects that it leaves on you and the physical ramifications of having to see that every day, it, it's really, it really does affect you. Um, and, and people have a, have a hard time wrapping their minds around that, but it's such a, a liberating thing to be able to remove it and no longer have to be reminded of it every single day of your life. How, yeah. I, knowing that we're going to be talking and, and having this, this discussion, I have just thought like, yeah, daily being reminded it's it's there it's staring right back at you and as much as maybe you don't want to be living in the past there is this remnant right there on your body how did you come up with the idea of transforming that into something of your own choice your own design and reforming your tattoo or what do you call it covering it up um, mine was a tattoo cover-up and I came about that by a friend who ran an organization and she's no longer with us. And she had actually paid me or paid the artist to be able to cover it up for me. Um, the experience for me was not good. And that was at no fault of hers. It was actually just a, a bad tattoo artist mm. um, that did not treat me with respect. And so during that moment of getting that cover up, that was supposed to be some amazing experience for me. It was more traumatizing. And so I remember sitting there on that tattoo, um, the tattoo chair and going, you know what? I want to pay this forward to someone else, but I want to do this differently. I want to make sure that every shop that someone goes into, they're going to be treated with respect, that they're not going to be degraded. They're not going to be talked down to, or a guy's not going to walk in and make a comment about the woman's body. So I, I kind of went at it as a, from a perspective of, I'm going to vet every shop that we work with. So I have met each shop that we work with. I have, they have gone through trainings. They have gone through trauma-informed care. So they have do you been, train them? I do. And if they're out of state, I train them through uh, Zooms or, you know, face-to-face uh, or face, sorry, FaceTime. Yeah. Um, so we kind of meet through a video chat. Um, but if they're local, if they're in the state of Georgia or even in Tennessee, I will drive to them, check out their shop, check out the artist there, see what kind of environment it is, because I want to make sure that everyone that is going into a shop is taken care of with the utmost care and that they are respected. And I'm not saying every shop is like that. That was just my personal experience um, with mm -hmm. the bad, with the other shop. But 
it's very important to me to make sure that everyone is taken care of with the best, the best possible care. Yeah, that's a, a, incredible. And, and especially since it didn't end up being as positive an experience for you as you, as it should have been, that you actually turned around and turned this into Atlanta Redemption Inc. Oh my I mean, I was, God. I was happy that I had it covered up. It's liberating to not have to look at it anymore, but the process of having it then wasn't the greatest. And so I wanted to make sure that that it was different for other people going forward. And so after I got my cover up, I was approached by a nonprofit here in Georgia. She said, hey, I know that you love tattoos. Can you help this young lady out? And I'm like, sure. I get on the phone, call a local shop that I was familiar with. I walked in there with $50 in my pocket. And I was like, hey, this is what I have. This girl has been through some trauma. I would love to be able to help her out. And the guy was like, keep your money. And he's like, don't pay me anything. I'm going to help her out. And I sat there with her and he took a, 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 her pimp called her, or her pimp called himself the reverend. And so he had REV tattooed on the back of her neck. And so she had it covered up with this gorgeous butterfly um, with a purple rose. And it, it, I mean, it almost looked like it was 3d, like it was coming off of her neck. It was absolutely beautiful. And I cried, she cried, her program director cried. And we were like in this shop with all these big tattooed guys. And we're all like crying <laughs> because we were like, and I just knew like, I didn't have a name for ARI. I didn't have a mission statement. I wasn't even a nonprofit. I just had a heart to see this transformation happen. And so when that happened, I was like, this is where my lane is. This is my niche. This is where God is kind of bringing me into. And so from there on out, um, that night I drove home from the shop and I had this vision of a bird carrying a tattoo machine across the state of Georgia. And so that's how our logo came about. And I was like, this is, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is, this is where God has me going. And so um, from there on out, like we started receiving applications. The moment I shared about this tattoo cover up, it was like it exploded overnight. So, so what this happened, is a thing people, this, this yeah. is like this transformative. Is people yes. need women this. Are, women are tattooed um, by their traffickers. Um, and so it's not always a barcode. I know everyone's like, look for the barcode. I've been working uh, in anti-profits. Yes. Barcodes? I've been working in anti-trafficking since 2012. I personally have never seen a barcode. I'm not saying that they don't, don't exist, but I have never seen one on a young lady or a young man. Um, but usually they're tattoos that pertain to money, initials, names, anything that signifies property um, or tries to um, label someone as a possession. Some people call them brandings or tattoos, or I mean, sorry, some people call them brandings or tags. Um, and so I knew from then on out that this is what I was supposed to do. And so the minute I helped her, it's kind of like it exploded overnight. We went from a couple of applications to getting applications across the state of Georgia, and then it started trickling into other states. So we've been able to help survivors and overcomers from Georgia all the way to California um, and everywhere in between. So from coast to coast, we've been providing this service to individuals that are in recovery. That's incredible. That's just incredible. So you started that in 2008? I started this in 2017. 17. Now you're doing this, changing lives, physically reforming something damage that was done and creating something beautiful on them. To, to, to me, I see that as this is what I choose to be my future going forward. 
you're doing this beautiful thing for them. But that's not is the only thing that you're doing through Atlanta Redemption Inc. What other services have grown out of that beyond the ink? Mm-hmm. Okay, so our Beyond the Ink program is where we provide trauma-informed counseling. So we have a trauma council that works with us and they provide counseling through either Zooms if they're out of the area or they do in office. But because of COVID, we are doing them through through Zoom because of the pandemic. We also provide, um, an, we have an education advocate that works with us that has an organization called Tears Free Academy. And she specifically works with survivors of sex trafficking, LGBTQ, as well as um, other high school dropouts. So we offer um, an alternative high school diploma program so they can take their prior high school credits from when they were dropped out at whatever point that was and apply it to becoming um, a high school graduate. So we work with a program here in Atlanta that offers that service. And then another part of our services is that we offer job readiness, life coaching. So all of that is provided here in the Atlanta area. That, that just sounds like a total transformation you, going from whatever state you were left in after somebody has totally exploited you to like you're, you're picking up the pieces and you're stitching it all together in the most beautiful way. Somebody described it one time as, as a transformation from the inside out. So not only are you transforming the inside through trauma-informed care, counseling, job readiness, job skills, life skills, um, a high school diploma, now we're also fixing the outside. And so um, we do that through the tattoo cover-ups and the removals. Yeah. Now, you were telling me that you have worked with, is it 37 tattoo artists? And you the trained number, them. That number continues to grow weekly. Um, literally every week we have a new artist that's applying to be a part of our team. And so we started out with 27 artists and now we are pushing up into the mid forties. Um, wow. Yes. And we actually just received a couple applications uh, last week that I have to go through the process of, of interviewing. Now you were telling me also, I had never heard of it and I did not know that is, I don't know if this, the national safe place sites for risk youth at risk. I I had not heard about it. Is that just Georgia? Um, National Safe Place is a national organization. Um, They are based out of Kansas, I believe, or it's Kentucky. I'm sorry. It's one of those. So what they do is they provide um, safe place training. So they're in all the public school systems. So they teach the kids that if you are in some type of situation or a crisis to look for a safe place sign, And then you can go there to seek shelter and be connected with a youth advocate. They try to avoid calling the police in these situations because they don't want the kids to run because they feel like they're in trouble if the police are called. So in in some situations, you do have to call the police, but they like to assess the situation at first before they have to get law enforcement involved. So what we did here in Georgia is we started the, or we had the first tattoo shops that became a national safe place site. So they're open late and they open early. And so if there's a youth that is running away from a situation, whether it be a situation they're having it at home or say if they went to a party and had too much to drink and they don't want to get in a car with a drunk driver, you know, whatever the situation may may be, they can go to a national safe place site 
and they can be connected with an advocate. So our shops are being trained. Um, we have one happening all the time where our shops are being trained to become a national safe place site. So if a risk, an at-risk youth comes into their establishment, they can take them to the back into the break room, get them a snack, get them something to drink, call the hotline, an advocate will come out and the advocate will assess the situation. And then the youth can go to either the youth center or a parent can be called depending on the situation. And if it is a really severe situation where law enforcement has to get involved, that's where they take it to the next step. Wow. Was that was something that you kind of put together? Like, well, let's take this thing I'm doing with the tattoo artist and we'll just combine that with the safe site thing. Safe place is not mine. Um, but when I heard about safe places, I Let's was like, this would be really cool for our shops to be trained in this because yeah. I don't know every situation, but I know that I was a teenage runaway. And the first thing I did, I was like, I'm going to go into a tattoo shop. You know, like, I'm like, I'm going to go hang out somewhere that's cool. You know, and so like they have youth that go into shops all the time and they go into these places, you know, they, they poke around, they're interested on in what's going on. They try to, sometimes they have a fake ID. You know, they just try to, a lot of youth will go into a tattoo shop. Um, I know I did. I know a lot of people that are, that were runaways that somehow wound up in a tattoo shop at some point or a piercing mm -hmm. studio. And so I thought what better way to add an extra layer of care and an extra layer of ARI, um, you know, to train these shops to take care of people that are, are in a crisis. And so we just kind of felt like it fit. And so we just put it together. Yeah, that's perfect. Oh my God. So you're helping survivors. You're helping kids at risk. But you're also making change on the other side of thing, the other parts of society that should be, that, that need to get involved with this. You said that you do some training with police. You do training with medical personnel. Tell me a bit about that work. And like, where, where do you get the time and the bandwidth to do all this? But anyways, just tell, tell me about this. <laughs> The time and the bandwidth, I have no idea, <laughs> but it somehow happens. Somehow we, I get more than 24 hours in a day, but, um, I, I work with law enforcement to identify some of the tattoos. They are, some law enforcement is trained on how to identify, but not all of them are. So I work to, to train them on what to look for because people are, you know, all these hyped up you know, ads that you see online that are like, look for a barcode, look for a girl with help me hands. And it doesn't look like that. And, and so I like to be able to, to talk with law enforcement, to talk with medical personnel, to talk with mental health advocates and say, Hey, there's just some signs to look for. These are some tattoos that might look like this. Um, every situation is different. And so I just work with them to talk to them about how, you know, how to talk to them from a survivor perspective perspective, how to look at the tattoos, how to identify, you know, just to know what you're looking for. Now, you, you mentioned the survivor perspective. I, I noticed that you, you, you describe Atlanta Redemption Inc. as being a survivor-led organization. Yes. And why is that important? I believe that survivor-led organizations are important because we can take our own lived experiences and go back in the trenches and say, hey, I've been here. I know there's a way out. Um, I don't believe we go in and rescue anyone. I don't think that people rescue people. I believe that survivors rescue themselves. I believe that that, that power is in them and they can do it. Um, I believe that wholeheartedly. And so to be able to say, 
this is where I was and this is where we're going together is, is pretty empowering. I don't ever want a survivor to be like, oh, you just think you have it, but no, it's not like that. I've been homeless. I've lived in my car. I've been addicted to drugs. I've been a survivor of sex trafficking. I've been um, part of the sex industry. There is, there is a light at the end of that tunnel and you can get out and you have the strength to get out. And so it's very important to me to empower, not, it's actually not my job to empower for them to learn that they can empower themselves to, to be able to escape you know, the situations that they're in and, and just keep moving forward. And so um, that's why it's important to me. That's why it's important that we have more survivor leaders. Um, We can also train people that there's a lot of corporate people that want to get involved in this and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's cool, whatever, but it's, it's important for them to be able to use survivor leader voices to teach them the right methods and the right way to um, handle working with survivors that are coming out of the industry. Yeah. 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 It's a much more legitimate voice. If it's like, I speak from experience versus let me tell you what's good for you. Yes. Yeah. I totally get that. So you do all of this, the the scale of what you do is truly incredible. And then the people you help and the breadth of the programs that you've got, how is Atlanta Redemption Inc. funded? Atlanta Redemption Inc. is funded strictly on community donations. So people hear our story, hear what we're doing, and if they have it in their hearts to give to continue to help us see this mission happen, then that's how we are funded. Do you have fundraising events or activities or? We did have fundraising events until COVID. Um, So those were happening um, a couple of times a year, um, but COVID has kind of halted that. And so we are working off of community donations. Um, if churches want to come along with us, if private donors want to come alongside us, um, we also are, are very, very grateful that the shops that we work with, um, work with us on a, on a certain scale, um, of a fee scale. And they also, um, some of them donate their time and services while we're trying to, um, to obtain more funding. Wow. That is incredible. Does the state of Georgia have any idea what kind of a service you're providing? Like how you're picking up the slack? Oh, we got to write them a letter. But anyway, so if people want to donate, how can, how can they find where to donate? Um, there's a donate button on our website. It's atlantaredemptioninc.com. Okay. That's donate. Um, okay. There's also, I believe on the top bar of our website, it says donate. All right. Well, I'll be putting the links to that in the notes for the podcast and for the YouTube. And Jessica, I just have to say, I'm just so appreciative of you sharing your story with me. When when I heard what it is that you do and the impact you have on your community, I was stunned and truly humbled. Thank you. You do such important work. You're, you're truly, you're truly my goal, that, that woman doing awesome shit. I appreciate that. If there's anything you would like people to take away with, what's. I would urge people to get involved in their communities to, to research the organizations that are around them to do their, to do really good research. Um, If you can find survivor led organizations or people that work with survivor leaders, um, 
I, I strongly encourage that, obviously. Um, and not just to sit back and hear what I'm saying today or hear what organizations are putting online and be like, oh, that's nice. Literally get involved, do something. It's easy to sit and be a keyboard warrior. It's a different thing to get out and do something. And if you're afraid of COVID, put a mask on, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being with us today. Don't forget to take a look down in the notes to find any of the links to the goodies we talked about in today's podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel so you don't miss the next episode. Rate us or review us on iTunes or on YouTube and share us with a friend that you think might just need a bit of inspiration to start doing her own awesome shit. Do you know an incredible gal that's all that that you think the world needs to know more about? Head on over to our Facebook or our Instagram channel and DM me. Tell me about her. We'll see if we can't get her on the She's All That podcast.